Welcome to Reasonably Fit, the podcast where we'll teach you everything you need to know about health and fitness, but in a much more reasonable way than you might be used to. Think about us as your friendly fitness experts, but we're chill about it. All right, this is how much we love you all. We just recorded for over an hour of this podcast episode, and then I looked down at my podcasting kit and I realized I never pressed record. Well, I'm supposed to press record, but you never told me to, which is the routine we typically do. Yeah, we typically have this routine (laughs) where I say, all right, Lauren, did you hit record? And I asked her five more times. And I roll my eyes. I'm like, I hit record. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a joint effort on our Uh, part. So we are rewinding and then doing it again. Man, you know what? It's like a second chance to make it even better than it was before. Yeah. Anyway, here's the same intro we did before. So we're going to New York City this weekend. Don't make it boring. <laughs> um, no, we're excited about this. So we're, we're going to New York City this weekend, um, and it's going to be a full house. It's not New York City. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, we're going to New Jersey, but we're going through New York City, and we are staying close to New York City. I know, City. but you also always say like you're from New York, and you're actually from New Jersey. Yeah, but I like to say... Well, I was born in New York. I like to say that I'm from the Big Apple. I don't like to say that I'm from the Big Armpit. <laughs> no offense to anyone in New Jersey. We love you. We Like when I first got to college at Northeastern um, in Boston, I had no idea how many people ripped on New Jersey. And here I am. I had all this New Jersey pride and like Jersey Shore and like... Meanwhile, the entire rest of the country is like, Jersey is the armpit of America. It's so trashy. Jersey Shore is so trashy. And I was like, wow, okay. I'm I guess from I'm New from New York. York. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're going to New York. My, uh, New my, Jersey. I was gonna... <laughs> anyway, we're going to New Jersey. Uh, so it's going to be me, Lauren, the kids, Kendrick and Kinsley, Lauren's parents, grandma, uh, Nana and, and Grandpa. Um, so we've got a six person caravan going down and yeah, we're super excited cause we're going to go see my parents' brand new Korean barbecue restaurant, yeah. the cast iron pot. And this is actually their fourth location within a span of, I think three years, maybe four. I think they've opened the first one. Yeah. Maybe four years ago. Something like that. Yeah. But basically this is their flagship location. It's going to be located or it is located in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Um, they're calling it cast iron pot signature i love it because Deluxe. their first three they went with cast iron pot and then One. cast iron pot two yep. and then cast iron pot three <laughs> <laughs> so i assumed it was going to be four yeah. but i like signature because yeah. it is their biggest location probably by far right yes yeah it's it the place is enormous so it's it's going to be super cool um you know a little bit of background like for those of you listening you're probably like well <laughs> they have four korean barbecue <laughs> restaurants but my parents are actually serial entrepreneurs they came here from korea in 1983 so this was yeah i mean it's just so long time ago but they came here they didn't know each other they met each other on a blind date i believe Aww, we should clarify I didn't know that. we should clarify um when we see them but they came here in 1983 my dad was flipping hamburgers at a local deli my mom was a seamstress they were living with my dad's brother and one of my dad's friends in like a one bedroom studio apartment in Flushing, Queens, and they were just pinching pennies, right? They were splitting toilet paper, splitting toothpaste. Like they were really all working together in this like kind of one bedroom situation. 
And my mom was actually making a decent living at that time. And they ended up saving enough money over a few years where they actually had an opportunity to buy the um, deli that my dad was working at. So they ended up all working together at this deli. And fast forward, let's say 10 years or so, they ended up having delis all around New Jersey and New York. And it was super cool. Um, Their biggest chain that they had at the time was called Pinnacle. And their flagship location was located on 45th Street. So some of you New Yorkers might actually know what I'm talking about. I believe it closed down um, like 10 years ago or something like that. But um, it's just super cool. But now... I loved... I got to go there once. Thank goodness before I closed. Oh, yeah. And I had never... Incredible. I'm, I'm Jewish. And I had never had like a real New York bagel. And my family always has bagels. <laughs> it's very, very stereotypical. <laughs> but we do like at any holiday. But they're... We're from around here. And like you, you kept telling me about their bagels and like they're different. And I was like, what can be different about a bagel. Like, yeah. I actually didn't really understand. And it was the best bagel I've ever had in my life. Yeah. 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 It was really good. Um, yeah. When I came here, I was like, I can't find a good bagel. Like, yeah. there are no good bagels. The closest one we've come across is maybe like Bagel Saurus in yeah. Cambridge. Yeah. It's pretty good. But all the like big bagel places that like, like, tout their bagels they were all very subpar they're like the difference is like they're more like heavy here i feel like like they're like more filled with dough and i yeah. feel like the one that i had at your dad's deli was like airy but not like not in a way that wasn't filling like empty yeah, yeah i can't even explain it but my dad keeps saying it's something about the water and i keep hearing things about that but i don't know i'll take their word for it anyway anyway <laughs> um So now they actually, um, so after that sort of period where they built up, you know, a chain of delis, 9-11 hit, the economy started to take a hit, and they ended up selling all their delis and taking all that money and putting it into opening up a Korean barbecue restaurant. Now, it's not like what it is right now. It was more of like a premium experience. Um, And Korean barbecue, if you've not been to one that's like an all-you-can-eat situation, it is actually fairly pricey. And so it did well but over time it just was kind of breaking even basically and so they ended up kind of shifting gears and they went through a series of different iterations and it's just unbelievable to think about what they've been able to accomplish at this point like coming here in 1983 no internet no understanding of like the language really Google translate (laughs) yeah none of that like just trying to figure everything out on their own it's just amazing to really think about it now especially now that we're entrepreneurs to be able to be like wow they did all that and meanwhile like we're gonna be like we've struggled with opening up like achieve fitness because of all the permits and all the licenses and all that it's like confusing for us it's like let alone for someone whose english isn't their first language and they're coming here and they're unaware of the culture so It's pretty cool to see what they've done up until this point. But anyway, they after the delis, they opened up the Korean restaurant. And then after the Korean restaurant, they actually transitioned that space into a American sports bar. Yeah. So at this point, your dad, your dad amazes me because he just makes decisions very like practically (laughs) very similar to you (laughs) um, where he's like, okay, this isn't going well. Let's reroute. And like for me, I get so attached to like something I created, right? Like closing achieve was the closest thing equivalent that we have to this. And I cried for like months. (laughs) Like it was so emotional because it's something that we built and there was so much heart put into it. But your dad is so, so like, 
pragmatic and he was just like okay this isn't working anymore let's do something different and like had no hesitation with changing it yeah and so they did the american bar and grill that really wasn't working so he's like okay no. let's reroute do something else <laughs> within a year and <laughs> this is such a funny story to go <laughs> with this because you were so he was in the process of changing the restaurant again and you jason were kayaking with my dad right and mm-hmm. i'll let you tell the story of like actually <coughs> what went down so we're out there kayaking i think we were actually like talking about life and just like what things are going on what updates we had and your dad asked about my dad and like my parents and asked about like what the current state of their business was and i said oh they're actually transitioning the sports bar and he's like whoa to, to what kind of business and i tell him the type of business and it was like there was like a pause and then he was like okay should we go back in <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah. I didn't really think too much of it at that time, but it, it was just like, it seemed like he either needed a beer or like he just wanted to get back in quickly after that. So then like hours later, so we th- we went back and, you know, finished the weekend and then we drove home. And so we're on our way home and my mom calls and they're sitting at dinner with my dad, my aunt and uncle, my grandparents. And my dad's like, so did you hear about Jason's dad's new restaurant? And my mom's like, yeah, because I had told my mom. And she's like, yeah, he was like, he's opening a topless bar <laughs> and my mom was like tapas like t-a-p-a-s and he was like they were all just dying over on the other side of the line and yeah just just so like your dad just be like okay okay let's go back inside just like but like no judgment no, no questions. questions just like okay well all right moving on moving on <laughs> So for hours, my dad thought that Jason's dad was opening a topless bar and said nothing about it. (laughs) But anyway, Um, that one also didn't really come to fruition, like didn't go as planned. And then he opened up the original cast iron pot, which is an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue concept. Um, If you've been to L.A. or New York, there is a bunch of these around and... You know, they weren't sure if it would work in New Jersey, but it ended up working out really well. And now they've got four of them. So they've opened the second one, like two years after. And then ever since then, they've been just on a roll with it. And so, yeah, I mean, we know as business owners, having one business is tough enough. Like the fact that he's got four of these, like, and he was telling me the other day, he said that up until um, January of this year, they were doing all payroll weekly checks by hand oh my god and so he would spend friday just like three hours of just writing out the same check over and over and over again i was like you gotta gotta adopt technology too (laughs) um but it's uh it's really cool to just be there now being older not just being like oh my dad has a bunch of delis to be like oh he actually is a very successful entrepreneur that has been doing it from a very grassroots bootstrapped method and um, yeah, he's doing great. So this trip this weekend is going to be the whole family going down. We This is Kinsley's first night away from home. Yeah. And first just big trip in general. It's going to be about four and a half-ish hours if all goes well. <laughs> Our plan is to go to Connecticut to this park that we found that's really awesome. Um, it's got like airplanes and like you're able to like rappel from one like zip line zip line basically. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of cool stuff there. So it's a great little midway point that we found. So we're going to stop there. Get the kids to have a little bit of a break for 30 minutes, get back on the road, and hopefully we get to New York by 12, 1-ish or so. New Jersey. We're, we're being, <laughs> you, you can't help yourself. Yeah, we're being ambitious, but I think as long as we pack the car, 
the night before and mm-hmm. literally we just get the kids maybe we even let them be in their pjs just like get them in the car yeah and go and go. eat breakfast in the car um hopefully we can actually just get out of the house quickly and we'll see we'll, we'll see. see the only time the time that we went with kendrick when he was kinsley's age or actually he was younger than her he was probably like four four months maybe we went down to new jersey and it was a nightmare it was mm. the worst trip of all time for all of us because kendrick hated the car i like when they're that little you can't give them snacks in the car like he was breastfeeding so we would have to stop <laughs> you can't give him you have to take him out of the car seat i would nurse him like in change a parking diaper. lot change his diaper in the back of the car then we would have to put him back in the seat which was horrible Terrible. because he hated it and then he would just be crying for an hour we'd be like we would be like sitting in the back seat trying to play with toys with him and like oh, it was like man. seven eight hours of just crying and us just our elevated heart rates and anxiety like it was <laughs> which just is nuts. probably he was feeling and then yeah. <laughs> crying more about it so kinsley is a much more roll with the punches kind of go with the flow type of baby so yep. and she's also a little older so she you know she has her little toys that she likes to play with in the car and I, i'm I hopeful we'll okay. i'm hopeful and kendrick is a champ in the car now he he loves, loves car rides he like and he loves doesn't even require songs. like he doesn't need to watch tv he like likes to listen to music he likes to play uh i spy and like you know he's just yeah, he's, he's fun he's yeah. fun in the car now so we're hopeful but we'll uh we'll keep you updated yeah <laughs> you'll see um all right yeah so let's uh let's get into today's topic today's shall episode, we? yep all right. It's I like, just glanced at the uh, podcast. I know you just made me Lauren so just, nervous. <laughs> Lauren's her heart dropped. <laughs> I thought we did it again. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Whew. So today, <clears throat> it's I'm reading my notes like I haven't already done this whole episode <laughs> once. Um, today, we're going to talk about the best way to set up a comprehensive strength workout. So this is actually going to be a two-parter. We're going to do part one today and part two next week. So today is going to be all about all of the components that make up a really solid strength workout. And then next week, we're going to talk about how to then put that into a program that is progressible from week to week and month to month. So talk about rep ranges and stuff like that. Exactly. So today is really just about the components that make up a really solid comprehensive strength workout. Yes. All right. So as far as those components go, we believe that they can be really narrowed down to these six different qualities. So quality number one is mobility. Quality number two is balance, stability, and coordination. Quality number three is power, speed, agility. Quality number four is strength. Quality number five is hypertrophy. And quality number six is endurance. So those are the six qualities and not in any particular order. Now, we have kind of gone through the gamut of all these different qualities and having spent different amounts of time in these qualities throughout our sort of training careers. And so when we first started our lifting journeys, I guess, we did a lot of hypertrophy work. We did a lot of lot of bodybuilding style workouts. So a lot of, of our emphasis was in that sort of realm. And then we moved on to things like kettlebell training and more functional training. And so we ended up going into more of like the balance and stability and the power and, uh, end of the spectrum. And then we went into a powerlifting phase where we really went into strength and max strength and absolute strength. And then we went into more of this sort of movement and mobility sort of uh, kick where we really got into mobility and overall coordination and balance. And then I guess that takes us to where we are now, where we have this sort of more level-headed approach to everything, where we have more of a 
even split almost of all these different qualities. And that's kind of where I think, again, the whole podcast has originated from just being reasonably fit, right? And so if you are someone with a specific powerlifting goal or bodybuilding goal or whatever goal, like you might be more skewed to any one of these different qualities. Um, But something that we have found is that when you do go too far into one category, you do start to have diminishing results in the other other categories. And we do think that it leaves kind of holes in your training. So what we've experienced when we were really powerlifting, we were getting really strong, getting much stronger, but we were feeling really stiff. We weren't as mobile. We were a little bit uh, less, uh, having less stamina and endurance. And we just didn't feel quite as good as we could have. When we were in our bodybuilding stage, we didn't have great stability, I would say. We didn't have great strength levels. And so what we've kind of come to now is there is a way to have pretty equal amounts of attention to all these different categories in a way that really makes sense and blends well together. And, you know, we're not going to be going ahead and competing in a bodybuilding competition or a powerlifting competition. But we do think for the vast majority of people, having this sort of even-keeled approach to all this will lead to a really comprehensive plan that is not only going to give you great results from a gym standpoint, but also just from a life standpoint as well. And we're going to talk to you today about all these categories have very you know, quote unquote textbook examples that we can talk about. But we also want to give you the real world examples of why each of these qualities really matter. Because when you're talking to someone who is starting their fitness journey, mostly initially, they're going to think about, I want to build muscle, or I want to burn fat, or whatever the classic stuff that you always hear. But we also want to kind of bring the conversation to this stuff can really help you out in your everyday life. Like balance can really help you out. Speed can really help you out. And that's some of the stuff that we want to talk to you about today so that hopefully we can bring some more awareness to it and that you look for these sort of comprehensive programs when you are searching for one. Yeah, when you're looking at a program, if you get a program online or if you hire a trainer, like when you're looking at that program and trying to determine like, is this a well-rounded program? Hopefully today's episode will help you just to determine that. Like, does it have a balance of all of these qualities and or is it just the power lifts. And mm. if that's the case, unless you're you're competing in powerlifting, like there are going to be, like you were saying, Jason, like there are going to be some holes in your training that you may want to try to fill. And so you could either talk to your trainer about, you know, oh, I also want to work on balance and stability. Could you add that in? Or mm. if you're looking at online programs, you might just be like, okay, this one doesn't look like it's really w- as well-rounded. So I'm going to look at something else. So just gives you a little more of a chance to advocate for yourself and for what you are looking for when you're finding a program. Yeah. Cause I think especially for a lot of people who are newer, they might find a program that they've seen from an influencer and they have no way to tell really whether or not it's a comprehensive plan, a well thought out plan. And so hopefully after this podcast, you're able to audit things a little bit better and have a little bit of a better grasp of what real uh, strength and conditioning professionals think about when they're creating and crafting a workout program. All right, so we're going to break down each component uh, step by step. And again, this isn't in any particular order. One isn't necessarily better than the other. We do think that each of these qualities do tie into one another. So improving 
your mobility can help you access your strength, which can help you have better power. There's all these sort of things, and we're going to talk about all this. But I think the best thing to do right now is just to break things down uh, component by component. Yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about is mobility. And so mobility, I think, generally speaking, I do feel like everyone wants to improve their mobility, improve their flexibility, right? And so for us, our sort of definition of mobility and flexibility is a little bit more from a functional and practical standpoint. It's just the ability to move your joints, move your muscles freely in all different directions, angles, positions without pain. And I think pretty much everyone can get on board with that, right? Everyone wants (laughs) to do it. very good. (laughs) It sounds like something you want. But I will say it is tougher to see those gains sometimes. And also, you know, when you think about someone starting their fitness journey, they're going to just, again, like we talked about before, just want exercises that increase their strength or build muscle. They're not necessarily being like, oh, I want to improve my ankle mobility or my (laughs) T-spine mobility. It's not a sexy component of a workout plan. You're not like, I can't wait to go do (laughs) my ankle mobility. I can't wait to go do my T-spine work. (laughs) And you know, I, I think we were in a similar boat as well, like prior to learning more about mobility and optimizing our warmups, a lot of times with our clients, we would jump on a treadmill and chat with our clients or jump on the bike or do some static stretching here and there, like the classic static stretches. And it wasn't until we've learned from a few different influences like Mike Boyle and Kelly Starrett and some of these other influences where we were like, you know, we can actually make the most out of this time and really optimize how we put together our programs. And Kelly Starrett was one of our biggest influences at the time. He's a physical therapist, um, and he was really kind of like in hand in hand with the whole CrossFit boom. And he had this sort of video project on Facebook called Mobility Wad, and he put together 365 videos all back to back in a row of just helpful tips and mobility drills and different ways to look at mobility. But he did it in a way of not just like, oh, this will help prevent injuries. This will increase, this will better your posture. He actually made it so that it would actually be helpful in terms of your performance at the gym. And so he would show things like, hey, here's a quick overhead mobility drill that you can use, which will really help out your overhead presses, your push presses, your jerks, because you're no longer going to be fighting against your own restrictions and being able to freely bring your arms up overhead, which means you'll have better strength at the gym. Or here's a way to open up your hips in order for you to squat down lower without butt winking. Here's a way to open up your hamstrings in order to improve your deadlift without rounding your back. And he had all these sort of helpful ways of this directly correlates to your performance in the gym. And that was a big eye-opener for us. And so taking some of that information and linking it with information that we learned from functional movement systems, Gray Cook, Mark Verstegen, all these people were able to really optimize our warm-up in order to really help out the rest of the workout. And that was the first time we really linked those two together. Yeah, definitely. And we also... You mentioned Mike Boyle earlier. He had the joint-by-joint approach, which was Mm. just really helpful in figuring out how to choose mobility drills to focus on in your warm up because once you are like okay mobility is important then you're like 
Well, there are 5,000 mobility drills. Like you just said, <laughs> Kelly Starrett posted 365 mobility drills. Like yeah. how do you figure out which ones to include in your warm-up that are like make it the most efficient and effective? And so with Mike Boyle, he was like, okay, it's kind of like it's not perfect, but it's broken down into like a stable joint and then a mobile joint and then a stable joint and then a mobile joint in terms of what you're like looking for out of that joint. And so it was like the foot should be stable and then the you go up and the ankle should be mobile and then you go up and the knee should be stable and the hip should be mobile. And so it just gave you a chance to be like, okay, so let's focus on ankle mobility. And then you're going up the chain, hip mobility, going up the chain, T-spine mobility, and all these areas where you're looking to gain mobility. And it only is like five or six major joints. And so then you can just choose one one drill from each joint and feel like you worked your whole body in terms of mobility. So that was a very helpful way to break that down in a really simple to consider uh way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you've ever been on our rise program before, you understand what we're talking about cuz we systematically go from the neck to the T-spine and shoulders to the hips to the ankles and we just kind of work our way down the body and then we kind of tie everything together and that is the sort of reason behind how we're putting things together. We're looking at all the major joints in the body, which ones that really crave mobility. And we put mobilization drills there um, to uh, enhance the mobility there. And it definitely just covers your bases and really prepares your body for the workout ahead. Yeah, I think that's something that, like you were saying, it is often lost in terms of mobility. You think of like, yes, I should be, I should be more flexible. Like, oh, I can't touch my toes. Like, I should be more flexible. But that isn't usually enough to motivate someone to actually do it. Yeah. And but when you're like, I really want a deadlift but I can't touch my toes. Meaning when I go to deadlift, my back rounds, like I should learn some mobility drills to help me be able to do that better. And then like you were saying in the beginning, like one of these uh, qualities helps to enhance others. So being more mobile helps you to get stronger. Being more mobile helps you to be able to produce more power. So like these things all, once you have the better understanding of this one thing that might be less exciting for me or a little bit more boring for me could enhance something that I actually really like to do. I'm excited about. You just feel a little bit more bought into the idea of like, okay, I guess I'll do my, my four or five mobility drills in order to get to my goals a little bit faster. Yeah. I remember this one really particular instance, um, one of our achieved members, her name starts with a K. You probably know exactly who I'm talking about, Lauren. But she was a very high up in her um, company and uh, very type A and very like knows what she wants yeah. kind of person. And so we were doing overhead presses. No, we were doing a T-spine mobility drill with her elbows on the bench and she has a dowel in her hand. And I'm, I'm like really cueing her here to get into these positions. And all of a sudden in the middle of it, she's like, she stops and she's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like obviously she, she's very blood and i'm like well you know how when you go overhead when your overhead presses you sometimes can feel your back arch and you were asking me about that and how you feel your shoulder kind of creak a little bit it's like this will improve your overhead mobility because we're locking in your lower back and we're freeing up your t-spine and we're getting your lats and your everything just open up overhead and then she was like oh, okay <laughs> but if i said like oh well we're gonna this is great for your posture and your lat flexibility. She would have been like, uh, okay, like, let's, I don't care about that. <laughs> can I go back to overhead pressing real weights? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just really helps to think about it in terms of like this actually improves the rest of your gym 
activities. Yeah, and that's why we are we were wanting to provide like the textbook definition or reason behind it, but more so focus on the real world application behind it because yeah. that's what is going to be more relatable and is going to motivate you to actually get these things done in your workouts. Yeah. All right, and that sort of brings us to another quality that is understood as very important but often underappreciated or underprioritized in a lot of programs and that is balance, stability, and coordination. And so moves that sort of fall into this category are like single leg exercises, like single leg deadlifts, single leg squats, um, even like lunges and step ups. Those all fall into improving your balance and stability. Um, as far as stability goes, we really look at core stability as like our primary focus when we talk about stability. And then as far as coordination goes, there's exercises like um, Turkish get ups you might have seen that improves your coordination. Um, crawling flows like all these sort of movements that are kind of unique and interesting that you see on instagram like those are all ways that you can improve your coordination and really challenge your brain to to think and be mindful of that sort of stuff now as far as sort of the real world benefit balance is pretty self-explanatory right but i think it's something that is underappreciated in terms of how it is important in terms of like your reactions to everyday life. Yeah, I mean, we like most of you aren't going to be like walking across a balance beam every day. Like yeah. you're you're like you may be thinking like my balance just needs to be like generally okay. <laughs> but it's like do I really need to train it as long as I can walk and stabilize and like I'm I'm probably fine, but it's more about preparing yourself for situations that come up that you maybe weren't expecting, right? Yeah. So like if you are walking in the winter and you slip on ice, like can you quickly catch your balance? Like can you quickly stabilize yourself? And in those situations, you definitely aren't going to have time to stop and think like, okay, I'm going to try to grip the floor with my toes and I'm <laughs> going to try to engage my core. And I'm going to like, you don't have time to do all of that and to think your way through that. And so you need to rely on the fact that you've been training in a way that makes, mm. that helps your body react to it much more naturally. And your body's response is just a result of all of that training as opposed to like, you're thinking about what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important to just denote of we're not training to be gymnast that can perfectly balance on a balance beam but be able to not neglect this very important skill so that when you do need it your body's like i got this no yeah. problem and be able to balance on a whim and as far as stability goes we're really talking about core and trunk stability so basically everything from your shoulders down to your hips if you've ever interacted or watched a baby before they start their whole development on their backs right and they are really getting this whole breathing and core stabilizing pattern down for a long period of time on their backs and they're moving their arms and legs on top of it which adds increased challenge to their core and eventually they roll and they crawl and they kneel and they stand and they do all these things with the very with basically their trunk at the the trunk is their limiting factor but what sort of fitness this sort of pursuit of fitness has ended up influencing a lot of people is they end up training mostly mirror muscles, right? So they end up training their arms and their upper body and their legs. And the core is almost an afterthought in a lot of people's minds. And even if they do core, it's only to do their abs, their rectus abdominis, the, the six pack muscles, and they're neglecting their obliques, their lower back, just everything 
360 degrees around their entire midsection. They're in, they're neglecting a lot of that. And I think areas of fitness that require a lot of skill, I feel like they naturally understand how important their trunk is, right? And it's been really cool to interact with so many different clients and members over the years. And a lot of it kind of points back to their core and trunk stability, whether they are martial artists, whether they are gymnasts or rock climbers, they always talk about how they really focus on their core strength. Even like singers, they talk about their diaphragm and how they pressurize through their stomach. And it's been cool to see that. And I feel like anytime we've worked with people that have that sort of background, they're able to pick things up so much easier when we teach these movements to them. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they their strength, they acquire strength so much more quickly because they know how to control their trunk. Yeah. So it's like, and, and and that you can take any exercise and kind of see this in real time. So push-ups, for example, like even if they came in and they couldn't do a push-up, they can if they can hold a plank really well because they know how to control their core, all they need to do is gain a little bit of upper body strength, right. like work their way down from uh, in a progression from like incline down to the floor. But like that's pretty much all they need. And then they're going to be knocking out push-ups, no problem. But the harder person to train sometimes is somebody who comes in and they've been training their upper body for years and they know that they're strong, their arms are strong, hmm. but you get them down on the floor to do push-ups and their back is arching, their hips are sagging. And you can see that they have so much more strength potential. They should be able to do more push-ups or they should be able to do them better. But because they don't know how to control their trunk, it's limiting them from being able to do as many reps or mm. to be able to do them without pain. Yeah. I mean, we've counted so many people over the years that have trained like bodybuilders or like CrossFitters and just their extremities are so strong and they've been able to get by with sort of this neglect of their core <laughs> strength. But it really shows up heavily when they're doing these movements because, you know, they're doing a push up and their back starts sagging immediately. They overhead press or do a thruster, back starts arching, kettlebell swings, back starts arching. And you can really see where their limiting factor is. And it's like, OK, if we just tie this middle piece together. They can access their strength even more than they already are right now. I have such a memory of um, someone that you trained, Jason, who came in and he had been a CrossFitter and he was he could like snatch and clean and jerk a good amount of weight yeah. already. But he was like, I just feel like I've hit a plateau and I need something different. And you had him doing like dead bugs and a lot of breathing work and like Mobility. a ton of mobility and stability work and you can see like this this guy was actually like he was just very cool and like went with it he didn't really question the programming yeah. too much but you've definitely had people who do question like <laughs> i you do know that i can like snatch a lot of weight like you're really having me do this like remedial core exercise <laughs> but he trusted the process and without ever snatching a weight when you finally got to snatches after a few months of programming just like really working on get gaining core strength and stability he PR'd his snatch. Yeah. He jumped up 20 pounds and he was an experienced person. So to jump up that much was, it, w it wasn't a coincidence that that happened. Yeah. And so he was able to better access his core, which made him more mobile in his T-spine and his shoulders because they weren't working overtime anymore to kind of compensate for that weaker core. And so, yeah, he's able to actually express his true level of strength at that time without even doing snatches. Yeah. So if you are thinking about this as like, well, I'm not really looking to gain like, I don't really care about abs or core strength. Like, I just want to get, like, a bigger upper body. Like, 
this is actually still going to help you reach that goal, even yeah. if that is your ultimate goal, or even if just upper body strength is your goal, pull-ups, push-ups, things like that are your goal, increasing your core strength and your trunk stability is going to get you to those goals quicker um, and with less pain. All right. That brings us to our next category, which is power, speed, and agility. And if you talk to a strength and conditioning coach, they would say these are all very different. But from just a general fitness perspective, we are lumping all these together because they are very adjacent to one another. So when we're talking about power, we're talking about, you know, when you think about strength and hypertrophy and muscle building, usually reps are performed at a moderate pace, right? Like maybe a second or two on the way up, a second or two on the way down. And you're not necessarily thinking about speed. But when we're talking about power, speed, agility, we're talking about increasing what we call rate of force development, where you're really doing things as quickly and as explosively as possible. And that could mean something like a box jump or a squat jump, or this can be also scaled as well. Like It's just more about the intent. Like You can be, let's say, in the bottom of a squat position, push into the floor really hard and get all the way up onto your toes but not actually jump, and that is still improving your power. And that's one that we often do with folks who have knee issues or knee pain because they're not actually getting the impact, but they're getting still all the power benefits. Um, Olympic lifts fall into this category as well. But we do think that power is just so important because it's one of the, uh, the qualities that you lose quickest over time. As you get older, power is something that you lose um, the earliest. And so when you're thinking about someone who is on the older side and they can't necessarily get up off of a low chair, it's not that their strength levels are low or that they don't have a muscle to do it. It's actually that their their power levels are restricting them to actually get up out of that chair themselves. Yeah. And I, I remember when we were first learning more about power development, it was always in um, relation to athletes because we mm. learned a lot from strength and conditioning coaches. And so they were talking about how important power is for athletes, for football players, for, you know, strength athletes, all of these athletes, like it's important to have more power. And so we remember kind of questioning should we be including power development exercises with our general population clients? And especially maybe not with our older clients because maybe it could be dangerous. dangerous yeah. Maybe it's too much impact. Like we were actually shying away from tra- from programming power development exercises because we thought it was like just not an appropriate exercise for that population. And then as we learned more about like that example that you gave, realizing that that adults actually start to lose power and then that's something that we should actually train and you just need to find the right version, the right exercise to choose for developing power. It's actually more and more important to program in as opposed to less and less important. And so we've just found ways to put power development exercises in that aren't necessarily Olympic lifts or yeah. you know box jumps, but it could be like a squat, an explosive squat to toes or yeah. a medicine ball slam, something that isn't actually impacting your joints or your body, but is still generating speed and power, which is actually going to be so, so important, the more, more and more important as you age. Yeah. And especially just from just the random occurrences in life that you might have, it's so important to condition your body and expose your body, like your feet, your ankles, your Achilles, your calves, all these two explosive movements, because, you know, who knows when you have to go run and chase down a bus or a train or, you just joined a charity softball game and you're sprinting from first base to second base. Like you want to be able to know in the back of your mind, like I've exposed my body to these stimuli and 
I know that I'm not going to pull my hamstring running to second base or I'm not going to tweak my calf or blow out my Achilles running to go catch this bus yeah, because I mean, I've been actually exposed to this. My dad tore his Achilles playing tennis. And yeah. the thing about my dad is that he is an incredible athlete. Like mm-hmm. he always has been and he loves sports, but he hates the gym. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like, he doesn't like to work out. He Naturally likes to, gifted. He likes to play. He is definitely, and he liked to practice, but he mm-hmm. liked to practice his sport. Like he didn't, he didn't care for just working out for the sake of working out. Like he wanted it all to be very sports specific growing up and, and that continued into adulthood. And he played baseball and softball for as long as I could remember growing up. And like, he always was just very athletic. And so especially if you are a former athlete or if you're very competitive, no matter what, no matter how long it's been since you've played a sport or done something, once you get out on the court or the field or whatever, like you are going to go, 100% because that's what you know like that's so for my dad like he was out playing tennis and he hadn't played for a couple years and he hadn't been doing any like power agility speed mobility exercises necessarily and but he and and he was a little bit older but he was playing or approaching the tennis game the way he would have in his teens and 20s and 30s like because that's how that's what athletes do yeah and so he quickly went to you know push off and go get the ball. And he said he felt, it felt like somebody smacked him on the back Oof. of the ankle with a stick. Like it, he just went down and it's because he hadn't prepared his body for that movement. And then, but then when he wanted to, it wasn't there. Yeah. Right? And, and I think, you know, I think originally I'd said that like some people have in the back of their minds, like, Oh, I shouldn't push too hard because like I might hurt myself. But there's also that end of the spectrum too, where previous athletes and they might even be working out and doing mobility and strength training and doing hypertrophy training. <laughs> but then they haven't been exposing themselves to these sort of rapid movements. And then they go out with this sort of false sense of confidence and go, you know what? I'm going to just go from first to third as quickly as possible. And then, you know, they pull a calf or pull a hamstring or something like that. Um, so it, it is just so important to expose your body to these sorts of forces so that when it comes time, you can do it, whether or not it is in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. You want it to just be like, you, you don't want to have to overthink it. Yeah. Right. Cause, and cause my dad's injury then caused him to just shy away from like all sports basically. Yeah. And like, that's sad for him. Well, he still golfs, yeah. <laughs> but you know that I, I know he still would love to go out and shoot hoops and like go out and play tennis, but he's so nervous now because of that injury. So like you don't want it to get to that extreme and be so nervous that you don't do it at all. Yeah. But you also want to make sure that you don't have that false sense of confidence where you can just always, you're not always just going to be able to go out and go a hundred percent. But yeah, like even a more just kind of a general thing that comes up, like when we go with our friends we do this like big get together every summer and we play volleyball Mm -hmm. and in our 20s like you just go out and start playing volleyball but now that we're in our 30s we're getting a little older like you can see you know people are just like starting to question like should i should i be doing this like am i gonna get hurt and it's just nice to not have to question it like it's it's nice to go into that being like no you know what i have been training in ways that are preparing my body for this and i don't think i'm gonna get injured like and of course random fluke things happen you you fall and twist an ankle like it happens but at least you don't feel like like just going through the motions is you're at potential risk for injury yeah yeah and now as far as like speed and agility type of stuff go or i guess more agility we actually do um, a decent amount of agility type of drills within the rise program and you know this could look like like agility ladder that sort of stuff or it could look like footwork type of drills 
and we've done this sort of stuff and we end up getting um, a decent amount of questions about it because a lot of people are like, you know, I'm doing this for just a couple of sets and just for a few amount of reps, like I don't really feel any sort of muscular burn or any sort of pump or any sort of fatigue. Like what is this actually training? And then we talked to them about these sort of real world examples. Like, I mean, even just the other day, I was holding Kendrick in my arms and we were quickly trying to like go somewhere and he suddenly like tries to leap out of my hands <laughs> to try to grab something. And I had to quickly do just four or five stutter steps to basically get myself into a position where I wasn't going to fall. And it's like this sort of stuff happens all the time. Like you could be like jogging on uneven terrain or like like jumping up onto the curb and like you step on a tree root and like you have to quickly adjust yourself. There's all sorts of, well, all sorts of <laughs> different scenarios where this could play out and you are going to be very happy that you've been exposing your body to these sorts of forces so that you can, your body can just naturally react. Yeah. All right. So the next component is strength. And this one is kind of might feel really obvious. We're talking about a strength program. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously you want to include strength in there. Um, and for, you know, strength is important to everyone for so many different reasons. And for me, it's really a sense of confidence and a sense of independence. And I, I think that's that is not necessarily the first thing that maybe everybody thinks about in terms of strength. They might just think about like strength in the gym. But for me, it's always about like just this feeling of being capable of doing anything I want to do. And so whether it's like like an, an Amazon package won't show up at our door and I and I'll be like, oh, I have to wait for Jason to get home to mm -hmm. help me get it inside. Actually, I remember one time <laughs> when I was like eight months pregnant with, with Kinsley and we got a rug, a new rug. And it was like a massive rug for our living room. And this at this point, we were living in an apartment complex. And so we were on the fourth floor and there was like a package room. So you had to go down four stories, grab whatever package and carry it upstairs. And you were going to be home in like two hours. <laughs> but I was like, I have to go get this rug. So I go downstairs eight months pregnant and the package couldn't even fit in the package room. It was like so tall that so it didn't long. even fit in the door. And so it was like leaning up against the wall outside of it. And I was like, all right, I can do this. Like I, I have been training for this. <laughs> and so I put it up on my shoulder. I'm like the balance and stability are coming into play here too. But like strength, just the fact that I could even get it up onto my shoulder and then I had to maneuver it through the hallways and I was getting so many funny looks and people were like, do you need help? Like you shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, just so proud of myself <laughs> that I could do it. And it, it honestly, it feels like just a one time, you know, silly thing. But when I got upstairs, I was like, I feel so happy that I can do this and that I've been just that I don't ever feel limited by my strength. I don't ever feel like there's something that I can't do because I'm not strong enough. Of course, there's going to be <laughs> some limitations, but most things that show up in my life, I'm going to be able to do it. And now with the kids, it's like I can hold both kids in my arms. Like I can protect them. And it just feels so empowering. And it feels like that sense of independence is really incomparable to anything else on this list or anything else that I do in terms of my training is strength has such a bigger meaning than just how much can I deadlift, you know? Yeah, yeah. And also just like you're talking about confidence, like it's just so empowering. We've talked to and trained so many clients and members where pull-ups are such an important goal for them, like to be able to lift your entire body weight over a bar, like it just feels so good and feels just so, yeah, confidence boosting yeah. and i think push-ups go along the same way as well just like any sort of body weight movement where you're like i can con completely control my body in this instance and i think that shows up all the time in everyday life as well like 
if you are, let's say, in a pool and you do that thing where you're trying to like hoist yourself over the pool, <laughs> like you're kind of doing like a pull up, half muscle up to get yourself out of the water and sitting onto the edge of the pool. Or if you're in a lake and you are trying to pull yourself up onto the boat itself, like there's all these sorts of ways where this, this, like just strength shows up. Yeah, those are so much more relatable examples than I feel like everyone for pull-ups is always like, if you were hanging off of a cliff, <laughs> what would you do if you couldn't do a pull-up? And I'm like, who is finding themselves hanging off a cliff? If you're Captain America <laughs> and you're hanging off a cliff. Plus, it's not even a pull-up at that point. It's a muscle-up. Like, yeah. And grip strength. So much more goes into hanging off a cliff. <laughs> I hope none of you are ever in that situation. But if you are if you are being strong, it would help. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, going back to your whole hoisting a giant rug on top and then going four flights of uh, four floors up with that um, just goes to show how competitive and how much you like a good challenge. Like Lauren salivates. She just gets so excited. Her eyes light up anytime there's a challenge presented or if someone challenges her, it's like she loves it. And I remember she talked about this a lot when she was uh, when we were both in college and I would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm competitive too. Like, you know, anyone who's played sports is probably a little bit competitive. And there would be these like little instances where it would be, start to be like, okay, actually, she's being pretty serious here. Like, this is pretty <laughs> intense. And there was this one moment where we were at Cape Cod and this was a family affair, family party. And <laughs> your, your, your grandparents were there and your aunts and uncles and cousins and you actually are playing washers. Everyone's playing washers. And then you... Not a strength required. Yeah. No, no strength required for washers. You get paired up with your grandmother and you're like, oh yeah, I mean, this is going to be easy. And you start losing. And I can just see you getting more and more pissed <laughs> by a second. And wh- it's just a funny game because she's leaning over. She's throwing, throwing this tiny metal washer into like your little sand pit and you're getting so frustrated. The end of the game happens. Your grandmother wins. You storm off. There's no like good game, grandma. You just storm <laughs> off. Two hours later, the party is still going on. Everyone's drinking. Have a good time. You're just sulking in the corner thinking <laughs> okay, about how you lost. I wasn't that dramatic. <laughs> you, were, you were pretty dramatic. I mean, I was too dramatic. <laughs> Let's not get that wrong. But this is a yeah, this is a common theme, I think, in a your your dad's genes get yeah. the yeah <laughs> i mean there's like there's something to be said for competitiveness and i have used that to my advantage but i've also been a sore loser in the past <laughs> like i was a sore loser at that point and i think that that was earlier in my late teens and 20s and i've i've grown to I'm still just as competitive, but I think I'm a little bit more gracious in losing. <laughs> I'd like to think, I yes. hope. Um, yeah, I used to do that. Like my, my family lived, um, growing up, we lived across the street from a bowling alley. And so we would go bowling all the time. It was candle pin bowling, which you, you only really know about if you're from New England. <laughs> and it's, I would literally like most times that we went, if my little brother was beating me or if anybody was beating me, I would just walk home. <laughs> <laughs> just leave and walk home because I'd be so mad that I was losing. I was like, it was really bad. It was really bad. So I have become a more gracious loser, but I have not become less competitive, I would say. Yeah. I, I mean, we we often watch shows like, let's say, The Amazing Race or MTV's The Challenge. Yeah. And no matter what comes up, it can be absolutely ridiculous. You're like, oh, I would just I could crush that. that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. They're like now, repelling off of like a tall building. It's just, it's funny. It's gotten to the point where you you love to just like tease me about it and challenge me to things that are impossible. Like you'll be like, 
can you can you i bet you can't touch that sign and it's like you know we're walking it's on like the streets of the city it's like high. of course i can't but i have to try like she i like hands me her purse and her belongings <laughs> she's like hold the babies and she's like leaping up and down like it's it's a whole thing don't challenge me because i i might not be able to do it but i will 100 <laughs> percent try my best <laughs> but then also you know and going back to strength in general i think there's also just all sorts of different ways like manual labor like uh moving furniture like helping someone else move their furniture um if you're a gardener like we used to have a gardener client and she would be so proud after she'd move 40 bags of like these like 40 pound bags of soil up and down the stairs like throughout the entire day like there's so many different ways where strength just shows up and yeah, it just feels so empowering and confidence boosting. Yeah. So it's not really one that needs a lot of explanation in terms of why we include it, but just, you can even just think to yourself, like, what is important to me about being strong and just kind of helps you again to seek that out in your, in your workouts. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next quality is hypertrophy. And you've probably heard this on Instagram before, but this is basically just develop the, the development of muscle. And I... I think there's obviously a lot of, you know, people view a lot of benefit for hypertrophy in terms of just overall aesthetics, right? But I think there's also a lot of uh, less talked about ways in which just having more muscle is really helpful. And one of the ways um, that was really eye-opening for me to hear about is we learned about this from a strength coach, Dan John. He calls his hypertrophy phases as armor-building phases. And I thought that was really cool because it's like, if you don't strength train and you don't build muscle, if you fall or if you have something high impact that happens, you are more likely to, let's say, break a bone or tear a ligament or just have less resiliency throughout your overall life. But if you are strength training consistently, you're building up your strength and you're building up your lean muscle, a lot of it, it just helps to be more durable in everyday life just have that armor around you <laughs> yeah it's it's so important and it's what's kind of frustrating is the like men are definitely typically told to do this as mm. like just and and even just thinking about marketing for fitness in aesthetics ways like men are told like to get bigger and that's going to help you be stronger and more resilient and women are told to get smaller and less muscular like yeah. there's there's fear around bulkiness and like oh i don't want to lift weights because i don't want to be bulky and it's like but why like that's gonna that is part of what's gonna protect you and help you in life and instead women are told that they should be getting long and lean muscles and doing yoga and bar and there's obviously that's why so many women gravitate toward those things because they're told to be fearful of creating this armor basically and yeah. told that that's not what they should be striving for and therefore probably end up having more like there's probably a reason besides biology that more women have osteoporosis mm. and broken bones and things like that because we're told not to get stronger yeah. <laughs> like we're told not to lift weights and then our bones break and we're like oh i guess it's just a woman thing <laughs> so yeah. no it's not and actually that brings me to uh, one of my um, other clients that i used to work with he was a photographer and he brought me along to a go-karting event with all other photographers, which is kind of funny, but it was a lot of fun. But at the end of it, the next day, I was like, oh, that was so much fun. We had a blast. And he was like, oh, you left a little bit early, but we actually ran a couple more times, a couple more tracks. And my other photographer friend, and he was like, I'm so glad I strength trained because my other photographer friend, 
he actually broke his ribs just go-karting. Oh my god. It was just the impact of I think he he hit the brakes really hard. So he kind of like his torso kind of like flew forward a little bit and the impact of the seatbelt onto his body, it cracked his ribs. And so he was out of commission for a good four months or something oh like gosh. that, like to have surgery and blah, blah, blah. And my, the one that I train, he was like, I'm so glad I strength trained because I have just more resiliency overall in my overall body because I've been strength training. I was like, wow, it's like a random real it's world such example. such an un- unexpected benefit. But that's a, kind of the thing is that if you are strength training and if you are doing all of this, like you just won't necessarily come across these situations. And so you might not even think they exist. Like, yeah. like nobody's breaking their ribs go-karting. And then you hear a story and you're like, well, I guess they are. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe more people are hanging off of cliffs too. Who knows? <laughs> like maybe I'm just not in the right scenario. But yeah, I think that the more that you are exposed to people who aren't strength training and start seeing like the injuries that pop up or the different ways that that's negative, negatively impacting their life kind of helps you to see why this is actually so important. Yeah. Um, and to keep going. Yeah. All right, and that brings us to our final category, which is endurance, conditioning, uh, cardiovascular health, like all those sorts of things, like stamina. Um, and so, I mean, this is this is fairly self-explanatory as well. Just people understand that having more stamina, like going up and down uh, multiple flights of stairs to get to your office or to get to your home, like you understand that it would feel better if you're not completely winded at the end of that. And I feel like one goal that, we often got when we were working with our members was that they wanted to be able to go on a hike with their friends or to be able to say yes to just a random 5k that their friends invite them to that's a charity event or whatever or playing some random like soccer event like just to be able to do things without worrying about holding other people back i think that's a big yeah. fear it's like i don't want to be on this bike ride with my friends because they have a lot of endurance and I don't want to be the one dragging everyone back and holding everyone back. So a lot of times they just say no. And so like socially it becomes like a, a thing as well. It's not just like a physical thing. It's like a social thing as well. Yeah, it's like yeah. to be able to say yes because you've been exposed to training like this. Yeah, definitely. I think that one of the, this is one of the qualities that we let go by the wayside a little bit when we were getting really into like our powerlifting phase. Mm. <laughs> and then I feel like we both had moments where we were like, okay, I'm like winded going up the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> like yeah. I'm getting so much stronger, but like I can't go up a flight of stairs without stopping to catch my breath. Like that's not yeah. good. Right. And so again, one of those things where we were like, okay, things need to be a little more well-rounded. We can't just be focusing on this one aspect of fitness for all time because we're going to lose so much other like, yeah, so many other qualities. And so this is one that I think it's like people are either strength athletes or endurance athletes, Mm. and they tend to put themselves in a box and they're like, oh, I don't do cardio because I like to focus on strength. And then runners are like, I don't strength train, I just run. It's like both of them have different injuries, different limitations because of the fact that they put themselves in those boxes. And so when you are doing putting together a strength program yes strength and hypertrophy those are going to be obviously such big pieces of it but we don't think that that means you should neglect cardio you should neglect endurance and that if you have the opportunity to just do that outside of your 
workouts outside of your programs. If you're a runner and you just go out and run, fine. You don't have to include it in your program. But if this is going to be your only real opportunity for endurance training, you definitely do need to include it in this workout. Yeah. And it's actually going to help out your lifts as well because, you know, let's say you're doing five sets of five squats. If you are not, if you are deconditioned in this area, it's going to take a long time for you to be able to recover in between those squats. But the more you are aerobically conditioned, the more you're able to knock those out because you're not spending so much time recovering in between and you're able to really express your max level of strength each and every set. So it has huge implications in terms of your overall strength as well. Yeah. And now with conditioning, endurance, there's so many different ways we can approach it. Like we can talk about high intensity interval training. We can talk about long, slow, steady state cardio. But basically we're kind of lumping everything into just overall get your heart rate up, yeah. right? Like yeah. it doesn't have to be that intense. And that can mean, let's say five to 10 minutes of a quick finisher at the end of your workouts, like kettlebell swings or burpees or whatever, or it could be longer bouts of aerobic work. Like let's say in between your workouts, like if you wanted to go on a light jog or a long walk or a long hike or something along those lines, like these are all ways that you could fit it into your, the context of your fitness regimen, but we're lumping all of those and to just get your heart rate up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and and putting it in into this workout with the idea that if you're like that in your training, you're just going to be doing like one or two or three workouts per week. So because of that, we want to incorporate all these different qualities. But if you're somebody who's like, I'm going to do, I work out seven days a week and three of those are runs, maybe you don't need to incorporate a finisher at the end of your workout. Yes. You yeah, know, so, so like true. just making sure that it's getting into your life. And so for a lot of people, because the gym is their time for exercise and they're not doing other like sports or anything outside of it, definitely we want to include some sort of getting your heart rate up, some sort of endurance work or, or cardiovascular work in, in that workout. Yeah. All right, cool. So those are our six different qualities that we do think that everyone should have exposure to and should have in some level in a workout plan. Right. And again, that's kind of like how you can audit how effective a comprehensive program might look like or a comprehensive workout might look like. Now, we're going to go way more into the nitty gritty in next week's episode in terms of exercise selection, rep ranges and all that sort of stuff. But we do want to end this episode with how to generally order all of these different qualities in the context of a comprehensive approach. And so for us, we have come to this conclusion of ordering in a certain way so that each part of the workout sort of feeds and builds into the next part. Mm. And we really try to make it to go from the most technical to the least technical. Yeah. And so our structure is we go from mobility exercises in the warm-up. Then we go on into power type of exercises. And then we go into strength exercises. Then we go into hypertrophy exercises. And then we finish with some level of a finisher conditioning exercise. And so what this does is the mobility really prepares the body for movement. Then we do a power exercise like a jumping or an agility drill. This not only increases your power, but it also gets your body going, gets your nervous system revved up, and it helps you to access more strength, which comes on 
right after the power exercise. So doing some sets of swings before deadlifts will probably make your deadlifts way more effective because you just spent a couple of minutes working on driving that hinging pattern. So we do that often. We might do box jumps before squats. We might do medicine ball throws or plyo push-ups before bench press because it preps and primes your body in a similar movement pattern and helps out the next quality, which happens to be strength. After strength, which is typically main lifts like squats, bench press, deadlift, pull-up, push-up, we then move on into hypertrophy. Hypertrophy exercises are inherently easier and less technical by nature, like bicep curls, tricep extensions, calf raises, hamstring curls, glute exercises. They're all pretty isolated muscle groups and isolated exercises where you don't need quite as much energy. So to place them at the end of the workout makes sense. And then finally, endurance stuff. Um, this is where you are probably the most fatigued. So oftentimes we do things that are circuits, so low intensity exercises, and we kind of just string a lot of them together and just to boost the heart rate up. And that's kind of the overall gist of how we order our workouts. And that's the reason why they're structured in that manner. And this is, again, another way to audit a program or a workout to say, oh, that's weird. They have power at the very end and they have endurance at the front and they have mobility randomly in the middle. Like <laughs> that's one way you can be like, okay, this doesn't really make sense because how can you develop your power when you're at your most fatigued state? Or how can you build your strength after you've done your cardio? I mean, some people can do that, but for the most part, it's it doesn't scientifically make sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that in that breakdown that you gave that wasn't included is the balance stability coordination piece, which oh, I yeah. realized, but that also, that kind of gets covered in the strength and in hypertrophy categories. Yes. So you're gonna see exercises that promote balance stability and, and coordination within strength or hypertrophy or both. Yes, exactly. There's definitely like a blending in sort of period between those two for yeah, sure. Yeah, so just to put that in there as well. And and next week we're going to talk about how to actually go over exercise selection. So then we'll talk about within strength, how do you select the exercise? Within hypertrophy, how do you select an exercise so that your workout like this is a great starting off point and you could probably put together something fairly solid just with this information. But now let's talk about which exercises are going to go into these categories and how to then string them together in a way that is nice and comprehensive for one workout. And then also how to put multiple workouts together into a program. So there's yeah, a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. But one way that you can kind of wrap your head around some of this stuff is to see it laid out visually. We do have a free guide. It's called Sustainable Strength, and we'll link it in the show notes. But basically, click that. You can download it, and you'll have a, I think it's like 18 pages, where we not only just give you a sample week, week's worth of workouts, but actually go, again, through the rationale. And we talk to you about mobility and power and strength and all that. And you'll see the whole breakdown all the way from your warm up all the way down to your cool down of how this all might look in practice. And it will be helpful for you to read through that um, manual and see how it's all structured. 
um, and it kind of gives you, it's almost like homework for the next <laughs> podcast Yeah, episode. it'll help prepare you for going into the next episode feeling like you have a good grasp of everything we talked about today and now you kind of have a little, it's almost like you're going to get like a little head start into what we're going to talk about next yeah, week. Yeah, so you can just nod along and be like, I already know. I knew, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll link that in the show notes, but um, yeah, I think that's, we've talked plenty about programming so and far. And now so. we've done it twice. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are programmed out at the moment. But actually, it was fun to do it again because it helped to uh, kind of solidify some of our points. And yeah. I feel like there were some stories we didn't get in there from the first one, but that's okay. We'll just have to we'll save them, them for in. another day. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we didn't press record again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. I think that's about it. Um, right. Ratings, reviews? Please. ratings and reviews help us so much and especially on apple podcasts because that's where you can actually leave a review we definitely have a lot of ratings on spotify um as well which is awesome but that spotify you can't leave a review only a rating so on apple podcasts you can leave both and if you want more reasonable fitness advice out there please leave us a rating and review. <laughs> it always feels so like pathetic at the end. We're like, please, please we, help us. But we need to combat all the influencers out there. That is so, true. Ugh, yeah. oh, those influencers. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> all right. I hope you know we're joking. Um, anyway, thank you so much for all the love and support and we can't wait to bring you part two next week. Until next time. Sweat out. Happiness in. Woo.